Do you ever feel like you're in a never-ending cycle of snacks and meals? We get it. That's why we're excited to share Home Threads, the ultimate solution for creating a stylish and functional family space. At HomeThreads.com, discover furniture that can handle the chaos of family life. From wipeable dining chairs to kitchen tables and light fixtures. Or you can just freshen up your kitchen with trays, counter lamps, decor, and other affordable accents that will help you update your kitchen into a room you love spending time in. Head over to HomeThreads.com slash D-I-J-F-Y, short for Dinner and I Just Feed You, to get a code for 15% off your first order. Because if you're going to be feeding them three times a day, plus snacks, you deserve a home that feeds your style. HomeThreads, love where you live. That's HomeThreads.com backslash D-I-J-F-Y today to get 15% off your first order. This episode is brought to you with support from Whole Foods. As a resident Greek girl, I am a sucker for Mediterranean flavors and want you to taste the Mediterranean too. Go to Whole Foods Market now and save on regionally inspired products through March 19th. Find sales on animal welfare certified meat, including boneless, skinless, air-chilled chicken breast, bone-in beef short ribs, ground lamb, and more. Save on whole bronzini and sustainable wild-caught sockeye salmon. And stock up on Mediterranean essentials like feta cheese crumbles, whole wheat pita pockets, and if you're over 21, wines from Spain, Greece, and Italy. Grab your ingredients and experiment with family-friendly Mediterranean cuisine today. Think Greek-style ground lamb pitas, lemony oven-roasted chicken, or bronzino, or instant pot short ribs braised in wine. All simple and delicious. Taste the Mediterranean now at Whole Foods Market. When it comes to feeding our kids, we are playing the long game. Yes, right now they cannot sit down even 30 minutes. That's hard. But, you know, they won't learn how to eat in nice restaurants if you don't take them out to eat ever, anywhere, even to Chuck E. Cheese. And then when they're 12 or 13, you expect them to go to a fine dining restaurant and have appropriate behavior. Like, you have to start practicing early and often. Hey, I'm Stacy, And I'm Megan. And this is Didn't I Just Feed You, a podcast about feeding families because, man, kids need to eat a lot. And very frequently, too. Every week, we'll dig into some aspect of being the family cook, from menu planning to eating out with kids, coping with picky eating to wellness for families. We are armed with culinary prowess. Ooh, I like that word. That you can read all about on our website, didn't I just feed you.com practical advice, a microphone, and yes, sometimes even whiskey. We'll also have guests from time to time, not just the whiskey, including celebrities <laughs> and chefs, but more importantly, other parents in the trenches, because we know that the real experts are other parents who are feeding their kids day in and day out like us, because we may be food professionals, but we're also busy working moms. That's right. Always busy and definitely moms. What are you busy with this week, Stacey? So I have to travel this week, actually. So it's been crazy. This isn't our normal day and time to record. Thank you for changing your schedule, Megan. Of course. Getting to go to sunny LA right as it finally gets sunny here in New York City. But yeah, so I am prepping like crazy to leave my boys for four days so that I can go off to LA. I have a media appearance on Friday, and then I am squeezing in some alone time with my best friend. Yes. 
I know. I'm pretty psyched about it. Can I ask a question? How do you or do you prep food for your husband and your boys before you leave? Or do they have like little rituals when you're traveling? Yeah, that's actually a great question. So when they were younger, I was prepping food like crazy because I was a control freak. Was. You like how I did that? <laughs> I was a control freak. <laughs> I'm working on my um, <laughs> control freak. <laughs> then I stopped doing that because, you know, the kids are older and it matters to me less and my husband has it under control and they can always go out to eat or order. But part of why it's been so hectic this trip is because my older son, Isaac, is on a very restrictive doctor-ordered diet right now. It's called the FODMAP diet. If you guys have been listening, you've probably heard me mention this by now. Um, But it's super intense. So he can't eat gluten. He can't eat dairy. He can't have onions. He can't have scallions or garlic. So it's not like my husband can just whip something up. Um, or go to a restaurant. Most food out. Yeah. We'll have all of those things. Right. And like, it's like three meals a day have to all be from home. So he's packing lunches, he's doing breakfast. So it's, it's a lot. And I, you know, I think I've mentioned this before. I call it my kitchen. So it's not like my husband has a lot of space and room to like feel like the kitchen is a place that he owns. So it's really intimidating. So I've been crazy cooking today. Crazy, crazy cooking, trying to prepare as much as possible. So that's my, what you mean when you say I'm prepping. It's not just packing for yourself. That's it's right. like preparing your house I am you know packing I am working trying to work ahead getting assignments in the whole nine yards and then I get to eat out (laughs) which we're going to be talking about today (laughs) so excited I prep all this food and then I get to eat out all weekend and I get to eat onions and garlic and gluten and dairy. (laughs) There is an extra pleasure once you're a parent, when you get to eat out either by yourself or like on a date, because it seems like less work. And we'll talk about that more when we get into our, our deep dive today. But, um, I'm sort of like excited for you that you get to go eat out. I do. It's, I have to admit, I, I feel like at some point we're going to have to talk about this FODMAP thing, or I don't know, I'm going to have to pitch a book or something because <laughs> I'm kind of rocking it. I've got to admit, like between day one and now we're on day seven, the flavor profiles I've been able to create, even with these restrictions, are like off the charts, but to just go out and be able to order whatever I want with anything, like like. For instance, cheese is going to be really, really nice. I'm pretty psyched, <laughs> got to say. You're all excited the for cheese. the cheese. My Instagram is going to be cheese, hashtag all the cheese, cheese all cheese. weekend. <laughs> I love it. And we'll link in the show notes to FODMAP information. And Cece, if you have any recipes that you're loving that are FODMAP approved, we should put those in the show notes too. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Before we dive deep, let's talk about what we're digging this week. Yeah, let's. Every week, Cece and I will share one new kitchen or food thing that we are loving. It can be a product, a trick, or a technique. It's anything that's making our lives in the kitchen easier or more delicious. So, Stacey, what are you digging this week? 
Well, you know, I was just talking about FODMAP. It's kind of what's on the mind, but actually this is applicable to everybody. I am digging, of all things, cornstarch. Really? <laughs> Say more about that. So, <laughs> so everybody probably has cornstarch in their pantry. I really will use it <laughs> mostly for like GAC or those fun kitchen projects, right? which Megan, I know you can talk about. I love cornstarch for slime. Right? There you it go. It makes really great soft Play-Doh too. See, I knew you could go into it. All those fabulous kitchen projects. You're a master of them. I like to play in the kitchen. And cornstarch, I mean, but there's other things like for frying. Cornstarch is awesome if you're putting a batter on something. But what are you using it for? Well, there you go. You kind of hit on it. So, yeah. So for cooking, I used to use it mostly just for pies, just like a little bit to thicken. Right. And you're also a baker. So I don't know. I'm more of a savory cook. I... Mostly used it for baking and thickening my pies. Is that how you thicken your pies? I'm curious. Um, I have settled on like a combination of cornstarch and potato starch because when the pie is cool, it has this really special texture that's like not quite as, I don't want to use the word slimy with cornstarch because it's not always that way, but with certain fruits like apples, it can be that way. So I like like a 50-50 cornstarch to potato starch. And some people really love tapioca starch and that's their go-to for pie thickening. Well, it's funny because I was going to also give a special shout out to potato starch too, which I've been experimenting with this past week because I'm looking for gluten-free coatings. I'm really finding that like chicken fingers and fish fingers are a really nice way to make Isaac feel like he's getting dinners that feel like his food. I mean, he's not really a kid's food kind of kid. He's got a pretty sophisticated palate, but I just feel like he's kind of looking around at what kids are eating at the school cafeteria and he's just really missing out right now on like pizza and ice cream and all that kid's food stuff. And gluten-free flour is just not my favorite to work with, to be honest. And So many of them have fillers that are not FODMAP approved. I can only find one that works. So I've been playing with cornstarch and potato starch to fry things up. And I've been really loving cornstarch. I did a 50-50 cornstarch potato starch for frying, and I didn't really love that. So then I went back, like, thinking about Korean fried chicken to just a pure Mm cornstarch. I know a lot of people like 50% flour, 50% cornstarch with a little bit of leavening to get those nice bubbles on fried chicken. But with gluten-free flour, it didn't work quite the same way because the whole point of using the flour is to get gluten. And when you have gluten-free flour, it's not the same. So I just really liked the plain cornstarch best going like full-on Korean style. And then I actually made a FODMAP-friendly peanut sauce. So anyway, I'm just playing with pure gluten-free cornstarch. And then again, special shout out to potato starch. And um, it's just really, it's fun to take this pantry staple that I just had a, you know, was going to in one particular way and playing with it in a totally different way. And, um, you know, that's something that I imagine many home cooks have those things that they just go to these ingredients and use them one way over and over and over. And sometimes you just got to be forced out of your rut 
And as a recipe developer, I should be doing that more often. And I think that I do when it comes to really playful ingredients like spices and herbs and, you know, those big ingredients. But something just like cornstarch, something really basic, it was a really good, fun reminder. Right. And you buy it a lot for one recipe and then it sits in your cupboard and you're and you don't take advantage of it. I'll put this in the show notes, but I think it was about two years ago now, I worked on a sweet potato fry recipe for thekitchen.com, which is my day job. And it is, the sweet potatoes are tossed in olive oil and cornstarch and then oven roasted. And they get this like really thin, crispy coating thanks to the cornstarch. And that's like a really, if you have cornstarch and you're not sure what to do with it and you have kids that will eat and love sweet potato fries like mine. It's a really fun place to start. Great. You should definitely link to that. So, Megan, what are you digging this week? I am sort of surprised that you didn't mention this because you recently talked about this product in your in an Instagram story. And this oh. is a spice <laughs> blend that's like having a moment right now in the food world. But I was at Trader Joe's last Friday and bought a bottle of the everything bagel seasoning. And it's so good. I know it's so good, but I, it's not something I normally stock in the house just because I think, oh, I'm not like making bagels or pretzels that I would put this on. And so why would I need it? But we've been talking a lot about it at work because there are lots of recipes popping up for everything bagel, pasta, everything bagel, like eggs, I actually saw on Instagram and was sort of like horrified slash fascinated. Someone did an everything bagel spice manicure. It's like, all right, you just take me a little too far. Oh my gosh. That's kind of amazing. It's kind of amazing. But I've just been sprinkling it on salads and over eggs, on toast. Nothing crazy. I'm not I haven't even gotten to the pasta level, but I love it's like this little hit of texture because there's like the sesame seeds in it and there's poppy seeds in it. And then there's flavor from, is it garlic and onion or just onion? Yeah. So good. And for someone like doing the FODMAP or has someone in their family doing it, like you can use it for your own personal serving and get those garlic and onion flavors without adding that to Isaac's meal too. Totally. So it's fun. It's fun to like buy a spice that's not usually in your cabinet and use it up right now. I'm hoping this weekend I'll get a chance to do some baking with it. I'm thinking about pretzels. Oh, that'll be so delicious. I think All so. of them would love that. That's his favorite on avocado toast. I can't believe I haven't thought to do that yet. Oh, it's his favorite. And also he likes, it's a little salty, so I can't believe he likes this much on, but he insists that I almost cover the avocado. Yeah. But if you do that and you kind of press down on it and then saran wrap the toast and then really press the saran wrap down so that there's very little air or no air at all, ideally, touching the avocado, I pack it for school lunch. And he's one of those kids that if like the avocado gets brown at all, he's like, nope, I won't eat it. And he gobbles that up for school lunch all the time. This is one of the things I've seen on your Instagram that I just, it's a tip I'm obsessed with, this like wrapping the avocado toast. And you do that even for not the everything bagel version. Like any avocado toast that you're packing for lunch, you're just really tightly covering it with saran wrap and it stays green. It's because he loves avocado toast. (laughs) So you have to figure it out. He doesn't like 
meat. Yeah. His two favorite sandwiches are cream cheese and shredded carrots. Yes. Bizarre. I understand that. It's kind of like (laughs) veggie cream cheese, which is delicious. Yeah, you're right. Actually, you're right. And then the avocado toast thing. So I just smooth the avocado with a butter knife so it's really like as flat as possible. I squeeze a tiny bit of lemon juice. And then again, the butter knife, I just smooth it out. And it gets really like slick. And then the saran wrap, I just press the saran wrap really hard on it so there's no air. And he eats it. I don't know what to tell you. And I know that if I'm home, like even if he sees the avocado come out of the fridge and it's oxidized, you know, he's like, oh, I I don't want that avocado because he sees that it's brown. And I'm like, no, 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 I'll just cut the top off. He like sits there and watches me and inspects (laughs) to make sure that underneath the brown part, it's still green. He's like not playing around. He does not want brown avocado. Can I side with him just a little bit? Not on the <laughs> avocado front, but I was definitely this way as a kid about bananas. And I know oh, yeah. now that like that part of a banana that gets brown and and softer is sweeter. But as a kid, the texture of it was what really bothered me. And sometimes when an avocado is a little bit brown, it is, it's softer. It doesn't have that like meatiness that a nice, perfectly ripe avocado has. So I kind of agree too. It's a tech. I, you know, I can, <laughs> I can understand and appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So speaking of pickiness and kids and eating with them, let's take it out of the home and let's make it even more fun and challenging. Can you hear the sarcasm <laughs> in my voice. <laughs> and let's put it in a restaurant full of other adults (laughs) who aren't related to you and don't think your children are cute (laughs) and waiters. And then let's pay to make the experience happen. (laughs) And let's call it pleasurable. Eating out with kids. Dining out with kids. Have you ever heard or seen the meme that's like, dining out with kids is kind of like setting a bowl of money on fire in public? No. Do you feel that way about dining out with kids <laughs> sometimes? <laughs> okay, so I'm going to tell you something. Okay. First of all, I really hope that my husband doesn't listen to this one. Because the truth is, sometimes my kids are annoying, but really I feel like part of the issue is that my husband can't just ignore them. Yes. I can ignore my children. Yes. I don't care. I And maybe it's because I live in Brooklyn. Like, it's loud. I don't go to, I don't take them to fine dining restaurants. I feel like I choose appropriate restaurants and appropriate times to go. And we should talk about yes. that. Because I have been to nice restaurants at times when I feel like, why is your four-year-old here? And I have mixed feelings about saying that, and we can get back to that. But I feel like I go, there are other kids here. Okay, they're being kind of loud and annoying. Can we please just drink, lock eyes, and pretend that they don't exist right now? Can we just do that? I think we'll have a better time if we do that. And it's just really, really hard for him. And I can't blame him for that. I, I get it. But then it's hard. Yes. It's like you're, it's an added layer almost when your husband or your partner is like struggling with your kids while you're dining out and you're just like, yes. 
we need to be a team right now and like wrangle them rather than arguing or having tension about their behavior. Yeah, we definitely have different lines about what we expect from yes. them. Like I, I, I just don't care as much because I spend so much more time with them. I just have a higher tolerance. You know, Oliver's never going to sit his <laughs> in a seat for an hour and a half. Right. It's not happening. It's just not. And so then we're never going to go out to eat if that's what you expect. Right. I say this a lot. You'll hear me talk about this a lot. And I remind my husband of it frequently. But when it comes to feeding our kids, we are playing the long game. Like, yes, right now they cannot sit down for 30, even 30 minutes. That's hard. (laughs) And I have some strategies around that when your kids are young like mine and they don't sit for a long time. Like what you can do to get through a longer meal. But, um... You know, they won't learn how to eat in nice restaurants if you don't take them out to eat ever, anywhere, even to Chuck E. Cheese. And then when they're 12 or 13, you expect them to go to a fine dining restaurant and have appropriate behavior. Like, you have to start practicing early and often. Totally. Totally. So all that said, I am with you. I'm a huge proponent of taking kids out to eat. It's not easy, though. I'm not, I'm no, it's definitely like, not easy. Oh, I take my kids out and they're very polite and they never have tantrums in restaurants and they never throw food on the floor and they never dump the entire thing of Parmesan cheese out on the table at the restaurant. You know, the sad thing for us, for poor me and Mike, cue the teeny, teeny, tiny violins, is that Isaac was kind of dreamy. Like, our older was, he really would sit there. He, when he was little, he was a sitter. He was kind of fat and he just liked to sit and he liked books and like he ate anything and he was just kind of, you know, not that he didn't have a meltdown, but like, well, he really didn't. I mean, honestly, Isaac had one tantrum his entire toddler. Wow. I mean, he has them now. He's a little But like he really, he wasn't a tantruming child. Like he was very verbal, very early. Like we taught, you know, we took our time with him. We taught him sign language. Like (laughs) he's more, more. I just feel like as long as you kind of engaged him and you could figure out what he was saying and you just kept plying him with food and he would really truly eat almost anything, you were good. Right. And then along came Oliver, and Oliver just has a completely different kind of energy. Like, Oliver has never been able to sit still, and, like, really, when he was young, just did not like to eat a lot, does not like to sit still, like, was not interested in restaurants, was loud, just so much harder. And then Oliver and Isaac together have a pretty explosive energy. Mm. So that was also very difficult, you know, competitive from the beginning. If one had something, it was like, eh, 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 you know, and then like grabbing from each other. And so things definitely got hard with two for us. And that was like a hard adjustment. Yes. And do you feel like now that there are nine and 11, they're a little bit easier to take out or it's just like a different beast now? I mean, you know, they're like regular humans now. Yeah. And we can talk to them and our, I will say our children are very polite. I feel very proud of that. They're really good about knowing 
And this, I think, comes from doing a lot of travel from a very early age and a lot of eating out from a very early age. So they understand how restaurants work. They know that they have to sit in their seats. They know to say please and thank you. And I really, really feel like that goes a long way with a restaurant staff. Yes. And I think, you know, for parents too, like if your kids, and I've worked in tons of restaurants. I grew up, my father was a restaurant owner. You know, if your kids toss the Parmesan, it happens. As long as you're polite and show that you're thoughtful, they get it. Your servers or a good server is there to clean it up. Like that's their job. But show respect. Right. Don't sweep it onto the floor and pretend it never happened. Just be right. up front and be like, this is what we're dealing with. And I want to add, because I have a very strong opinion about this, when you are dining out with kids, a 20% tip is the minimum. Absolutely. And you should probably tip more than that. Absolutely. Like, it's sort of like the tax on dining out with children. A hundred percent. And if you feel like they haven't earned it, you should go explain why. Yes. Because it's really freaking hard to take care of a table with multiple children. Yes. And servers have hard days too. (laughs) They do. You know, so, you know, you can always speak to someone or speak to your server and like figure it out. You know, this is, it's communication. So I, I think that, you know... I couldn't agree with you more. I think that's very important. I'm glad you mentioned that. I also want to ask you, because your boys are older than my kids, do they order from a kid's menu? Do you allow that? Do you have a strong opinion about the kid's menu? So glad you asked, because Isaac gets so offended when people give him the kid's menu. I mean, if you could hear this kid rant about it, you know, because he's 11 and like he's learning about the civil rights movement right now and he's living through a moment, you know, like he protested guns in schools the other day. And so like this is his world. He tried to come up with a word. I think he was trying to come up with ageist, basically. <laughs> but he was like, it's so like kiddist. It's so I was like, what are you saying? He's like, it's just, I mean, because I'm young, they're going to give me the kids menu. Right. I was like, uh, that's what it's for. <laughs> I mean, like most kids eat smaller portions and, but you know, I, I agree with him. I mean, the options on a kid's menu are, excuse okay. my language, they're right? total b- I have a major issue with kids menus and strong opinions. I've written about it. I've never really talked to him about it. He came up on this on his own. He doesn't like the options. <laughs> he thinks it's ridiculous. Like, he thinks it's pandering. He wants nothing to do with it. It is, though. And it's and it's sort of stereotyping kids. Like, yes. you, only eat, you only want burgers or chicken fingers or mac and cheese. Right. Like, that's all that you could possibly understand. Yes, it is. In the meantime, Oliver's like, uh, they have a kids menu, right? Because <laughs> he doesn't want to like, eat all oh, those things. You. Yeah. Yeah. He's like, wipe the sweat off my brow. Like, please don't take me to a place that doesn't have a kids menu, please. No. <laughs> I will say the last couple of years have been a lot of discussion in the food writing world about kids menus. And I feel like there are a few restaurants 
at least where we are in Boise and where we were in Georgia, that they have kids menus that are that are those smaller portions, but they're like smaller portions of things that are on the adult menu. And I freaking love that. I think that's so smart. Like I don't, I want my kids to experience the great food that's on your menu. So just make it a smaller portion and then they feel like it's extra special. And sometimes in those restaurants, I feel like my children are better behaved when they have like a fancy kids menu because they feel like it's more upscale than, you know, your burger joint. I agree. But then do your kids actually want to eat that? They do. There's every once in a while where Ella, my six-year-old, is like, she only wants pasta. That's what she's craving. That's kind of her favorite food and I think her comfort food in a lot of ways. But they are adventurous eaters for the most part. And they eat what we eat. Sometimes Ella and I will share a plate if if we're going somewhere where the portions are really large and I don't want to order an extra meal off the kids' menu. And we do that a lot with our son, too, who's three and... He, like Oliver, has a hard time sitting down at dinners. So sometimes he's not eating a lot, like, at the table. So I'll order black beans as my side and, like, share that with him. And my husband will order something as his side and share that with him and make sort of, like, a composite plate for him rather than ordering something from the kids' menu that he's not going to finish. Mostly just because he's too distracted. Has nothing to do with the food. We do that, too. Yeah. But I do want to rep for the average family here because I don't think that we're representative. Oliver eats much more like the average kid. And I would say that really when it comes down to it, truth be told, he probably eats healthier than the average kid because if push comes to shove and there's nothing on a menu that he wants, he'll order the kale salad or broccoli. Like he loves vegetables really what makes him picky is that he likes things plain and he prefers vegetables to meat he doesn't want sauces so he's a simple healthy eater but he would rather chicken fingers than like shrimp and grits with a sauce for example which isn't even anything adventurous so like oliver always wants Pasta with butter or pasta with plain tomato sauce. No Parmesan on top. What? He does not like mac and cheese. I'm, I know I know these children exist, but it's just hard for me to wrap my head around. No, no mac and cheese. Um, unicorn. He, 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 unicorn. I don't know what to say. So, okay, so it's a little different than the typical, like, American kid that you hear about, but, like, If he has a full adult menu versus just like plain chicken fingers and some broccoli versus plain chicken fingers and french fries or like sweet potato mash and a plain chicken breast or pasta and butter, like that's what he wants. So it can be hard sometimes when there aren't some really simple options and that's okay. Mike and I don't mind and that doesn't stop us because... We're all about, hey, listen, got to do what you got to do. We travel a lot. Expand your horizons. Yes. And if you go to bed hungry, you go to bed hungry. That's our philosophy. And it really has, over time, paid off. Oliver is so, so, so much more adventurous than he used to be. So it has paid off and it will continue to pay off. But I can imagine if that's not the food culture of your home, and you have a kid like that, and it's been like that for years, that it makes eating out even harder. 
So I, I don't know what to say to that, except, you know, maybe using eating out as an opportunity to help your kids kind of expand their diet and kind of setting it up that way and kind of maybe talking to your picky eater about it. We're definitely going to be doing episodes on picky eating. So, you know, maybe we'll kind of loop around to this because I, I think it's interesting. I think it does become a challenge, especially when you're spending a lot of money that maybe you're, you know, maybe you don't feel like you have to waste to go eat out. You don't want your kid throwing a fit or like leaving a whole bunch of expensive food on their plate. And I think this circles back to something that we've talked about with other challenges of feeding our families is like, everything is individual to your family. So even though I say that I think kids menus are kind of yes, and we don't always order from them, I'm not going to pretend that there aren't times where it's appropriate for our family to do that. And there's definitely seasons where kids are pickier or even days or weeks. And I think that the overarching goal of eating out should be food joy, as we talked about pleasure in eating out. And so if it makes everyone's dining experience easier, more enjoyable, better for you to just order those chicken fingers and French fries, do it. Don't hesitate to do it because it is like whatever works for your family. Totally. And at any given time, it's okay to like try ordering off the adult menu and then have that not work and just go back to the kid's menu. There's this myth that if you're a food professional like me or Stacy, you not only make dinner for your family from scratch every night, but you do it with joy and a smile on your face. But the truth is, we are busy working parents too, which means that finding time to make dinner from scratch can be stressful. So just like you, we're looking for solutions that are delicious, healthy, and kid-friendly. The best one I've found so far is One Potato, the only organic meal kit delivery service specifically designed for families that has truly worked for my family of four. And of course it has. One Potato was founded by three parents, including Catherine McCord of Weelicious. One Potato meals come shipped with semi-prepared ingredients like chopped veggies, prep sauces, and sometimes even cooked shredded chicken to cut back on cooking time. Way better than a rotisserie chicken. Each week, you can choose to receive two or three meals from 10 options, including gluten and nut-free choices, and they have a vegetarian option. I love that you can customize the meals to your family size because children's portions can range dramatically depending on their age and appetite. To learn more about One Potato, visit OnePotato.com. And for all you Didn't I Just Feed You listeners in the One Potato delivery area, use the promo code FEED30 for 30% off your first box. Today's episode of Didn't I Just Feed You is brought to you by our sponsor, Elmhurst, a brand you'll find if you peek in my very own pantry. Their plant-based milks have more nutrition in whole grains than other leading brands and are made without gums, emulsifiers, or carrageenan, because simple doesn't have to mean less. Use promo code HUNGRY to get 20% off your next purchase at elmhurst1925.com. So we should talk about like different strategies for dining out and get back to your strong opinion about when kids should dine out and where, like what's age appropriate for different ages. Yes. So, I mean, you know, I just feel like it makes it easier for everybody, the people around you, and also for yourself if you're eating when other families are eating. (laughs) It's just really hard if your your kids are the only ones at the restaurant. Yes. I mean, 
I don't know. Oliver always needs to get up and run around. I actually, this is a strategy because, you know, I have a three-year-old who needs to get up and run around too. So we always sort of plan a bathroom break after ordering food, but like right before we think our food is going to get there. And we do like a lap around the restaurant with him and go to the bathroom. Back to times, you're saying because you have a kid who needs to get up and move around, you like to go earlier? Yeah, so we, I mean, we call it like the family hour. Like, it seems like in Brooklyn, if you go to dinner on a weekend between, I don't know, like 5.30 and 7.30, it's all families. And it's great because then you feel less guilty. And also what we'll often do, another strategy similar to yours, is sometimes we'll order Oliver and Isaac's food to come with appetizers. Mm -hmm. And now that they're older... They can get up and, you know, sometimes we would pick a place when the weather's nice. This obviously doesn't work in the winter the same way. Right. Pick a place that has a backyard or Mm -hmm. an outdoor space so they can at least kind of be on the periphery and moving. And sometimes there are other kids around and they can kind of play and make friends and at least be standing. Or, again, now that they're older, go out on the sidewalk. (laughs) Just like run really races with each other out on the sidewalk, either in between courses or now that you've eaten your dinner while we're like eating our dinner or, you know, they'll eat their dinner while we're eating appetizers, then go run around then come back. You eat dessert while we eat dinner because we're not going to eat dessert. And then everybody's done at the same time. That's really smart. I hadn't thought about the dessert with dinner. Yeah, because we don't, Mike and I don't usually want dessert and they usually do. And then we're sitting around waiting for them, getting anxious about like how they're going to get hopped up in sugar and like it's time to go. And we want to just like, we get itchy. (laughs) Like, let's get the show on the road. It's bedtime. Like, so it just makes everybody like everybody's eating at the same time and we can wrap this up and go. I love that. I think that's such a smart strategy. And I will echo that with two young kids, mine are three and six, we always try and go early out of respect for other diners. One. Yes. Like most people who are out to dinner on a date are probably going after 730. And I don't, I don't want to be interrupting somebody's date with my son throwing a tantrum or. I agree. (laughs) Not that he throws a lot of tantrums, but it's probably more like my kids talking about poop and farts and boogers or something (laughs) while the table next to us is like on their first date or an anniversary date and ruining the romance. But I want to mention that um, the executive editor of The Kitchen, where I write for Factory, and she wrote a really great article, and we'll link to it in the show notes, last year about dining out with her one-year-old and how she's taken her to very fancy, like, upscale restaurants. But there are a couple points that she makes. She talks about that you have to plan to tip more than you normally would. So if you're dining out somewhere very expensive, you should budget for that extra tip if you're bringing your toddler. They always go super early, like right at opening. Yes. Which I think is a really great strategy. And actually, we have a restaurant that just opened around the corner from us that's gorgeous, high-end, like French meets Basque food. Ooh, and yeah. I've eaten there solo and, and met the owner. And I've said to him, listen, I am at some point going to come in here and eat with my kids. And I mentioned this at soccer practice to some of the other parents. And they were all flabbergasted, like, oh, I can't believe you would take your kids to a nice restaurant. I'm like, it's a restaurant in my neighborhood. And I'm totally going to go early. 
early and it's going to be like a really special treat for them um, because I want them to have that experience. And the owner of the restaurant um, was just like, yes, please. That's like, that's what we want. We we're not trying to, even though it's like nice, we want it to be a neighborhood restaurant too. And he's like, let me know. We'll figure out a strategy. He's like, I'll bring frites to the table right away. Yes. <laughs> Which is kind of what I you're talking about. Yes. Not just the frites. I love the idea of having a conversation with restaurants. I think people forget that they can do this. Yes. Restaurants, especially neighborhood restaurants, restaurateurs, people in the restaurant industry, in the service industry, we are here to feed. We all believe in food joy. Um, You know, it, it makes us happy. So have a conversation if they don't think it's appropriate and they feel like this isn't a place for kids they'll let you know and then okay and then you know that's the kind of place it is and you can decide then if you want to you know be a customer or not or if it's the right place for you maybe you'll go on date night you know but don't be afraid to call and ask or start up a conversation with the rest yes and this is one of the things that faith mentions in this story is especially when they're traveling with their young children and they're somewhere that they want to go, they will call and ask if the restaurant has high chairs. And usually that's a really good signal, whether your kids sit in high chairs or not, whether that restaurant is family friendly or inclusive of families. That's a great, great strategy. With my boys, I was going to say they're older So we, and we travel a lot, travel's a really big thing for us and our family. And, you know, when we're in another country and there's a restaurant that Mike and I want to go to, it's our chance. Right. They're old enough that we don't call and ask for high chairs, although that really is a great strategy. We just go, but we always go right when the restaurant opens. Because I think Isaac can handle it. You know, he'll just sit. We bring books for him sometimes, especially when we're traveling because, you know, time change will make him just exhausted and he's a really big reader. So we'll bring his Kindle and that usually will occupy him if he's getting really antsy or exhausted. But for Oliver still, just because of his like energy, his physical energy, just go really early. And I find, especially in other countries, people are always happy to have families, you know, as long as you're there at the right time. And they're usually not too busy right when they first open. And so people are happy to tend to you. Right. And also be mindful about not being there too long. Yeah. Kind of. I feel like eat for the restaurant enjoy and for your and kids. Move on. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Like don't set the expectation that you're going to be able to have a 3-hour multi-course right. dinner with your kids. You're probably right. not. But like you're saying an an appetizer for adults while the kids eat, a dinner for the adults while the kids have dessert. Like you are kind of having multi-courses, but you're condensing them in a way that you're not going to be there all night long. That's right. And then just kind of move on. <laughs> do you do this with your kids? This is something my mom did. Which totally is one of those things where I'm like, I'm, tr- I'm turning into my mother. And that's fine. I can't avoid it. <laughs> for fine. better or worse. She tells herself. <laughs> <laughs> but before we went into the grocery store, we didn't eat out a ton. But if we did eat out, there was always like this preamble in the car about what are the rules and what are the expectations before we even get in the restaurant. And so we do that now with our kids. And, and it's basically like three basic rules where it's like, we're going to be respectful of others. 
we're going to listen to mom and dad, and we're going to use our manners. And then it's really easy to reiterate that rule, those rules during dinner if we need to. Like, hey, do you need a reminder of what the rules are? You're not being respectful of the other diners or whatever it might be. Um, but I feel like setting the expectations for my kids, letting being clear about that before we even get inside helps them to behave better at the dinner table. I think, I mean, I think that's a great strategy for anything you're doing with kids. That's excellent. And it's just, it keeps it short, it's brief, and it gives you something to just go back to when you're getting heated right, <laughs> and frustrated. It just gives you almost like a mantra, just something to say calmly that pinpoints what you're trying to communicate to them without getting too emotional and just reminds them. Luckily, we don't have to do that anymore. The kids know. You know, it does, it gets a lot easier. For us at this point, it's really the big thing for us is the guys asking for iPads and oh, phone. Oh, I want to ask about this. Is this a personal question? I had a dining experience last Friday with our like extended family. My sister-in-law's mother was in town and she just asked she's like so your kids just sit at the dinner table without an ipad or a phone like we had a little notepad we were playing hangman with my six-year-old and my three-year-old had a couple of trucks that he was playing with at the table and she was just like flabbergasted that we didn't give them technology do you want to talk about like when you do and when you don't do the ipad right now i'll say or ipad screens i should say um, right now I'll say we try to avoid it at all costs, if only because I feel like we're in training mode with our children and yeah. dining out still, whereas your kids are more advanced. Well, so at home, there's nothing at the table. Like you right. can't even bring a book to the table, which Isaac tries to do all the time. <laughs> I'm like, can you put the book away and talk to us? At restaurants, when we are not traveling... We typically don't bring anything. Every once in a while, I will say, if it's been like a really hard week, we haven't done this in a really, really long time, to be honest, but if it's been a really hard week and Mike and I just want to, like, would rather be alone, like, it's like the kind of Friday night where it's like we would do anything for a date night, but we don't have anyone to watch the kids. We don't have a sitter. Like, we have no choice but to be here, the four of us. We have on occasion been like, here, here are the phones so that we can just talk right? and just like be in our own world. I mean, we literally haven't done that in months and months. When we travel, though, I will say it is a little different. We are much looser when we travel. Although as they get older, it's less and less. And I would say that not only is it less and less because we can have more conversation with them now that they're older, like real meaty conversation with them, and they're actually engaged in that conversation with us, but also we can defer more and more to books. Mm, which is like really real nice. Like books that they're yeah. into, which is really nice. Not like, I don't know, Flat Stanley. I'm trying to think of the most boring like early reader chapter book I can possibly <laughs> think of. Sorry, author of Flat Stanley. So like, you know, we get to talk about like real things now, you know, like Oliver's digging into like Harry Potter book four, you know, and everybody's read it. So it's, it's, it's fun. 
But we're definitely more lax on vacation, I think is the answer to that. You know, the other thing that is hard, and this is like such a much bigger conversation, not just for a food podcast, is that Mike and I also have to be much more realistic about our technology habits. Right. Because they aren't little kids anymore. And, you know, when before you could be like, no technology at the table, and then, you know, you feel that buzz in your pocket, and you know, you're still expecting an email from that writer, or that editor, or, you know, Mike knows that there's a big pitch going on at work, and he's waiting to find out how it went, and he's really anxious to hear, and you can just kind of mm, sneak under the table and just look. Yeah, you can't like, do that anymore. Our kids, our kids know. They're yeah. like, what? Okay. You no technology at the table, sure. Or you get caught up and you're like, oh, really? Like the Cavs just played game one against Toronto. Like I need to know the score, <laughs> you know, and everybody goes reaching for their phone to check the score. And then like you get caught up. We do that yes. too, not just the kids. And so you don't want to be a hypocrite and they are much closer to us or we're much closer to them. We're all kind of in the same boat now. So I think we're in the very early stages of also checking our own habits of how we use our phones at restaurants when we're out and like turn it off, put it away. And so I think we're going back to where you are you said that your kids are in training. I think Mike and I are back in training ourselves to not be sloppy about using our phones in right. restaurants. To be good role models. To be really good role models again. Because how can we say, no, have a conversation with us when we're on date night constantly checking <laughs> our phone? Or like, you know, you're like, oh, I read this article. And I'm like, what article? I'm like, oh, this one. And I pull out my phone and show him and we constantly are, right. you know, jostling. Or we get phones. into a debate and we're like, no, we need to look this up so we can settle right. it. Yes. We do that all the time. We do it time. all the time. But I think what you're really speaking to is about technology at the table, specifically in restaurants, is try not to rely on it. But definitely pull it out as a tool when you need it. Like, don't be afraid to. It's okay. We live in a time of technology. You have to teach your kids when and how it's appropriate. I guess it's like the chicken fingers, what you yes. were saying before. It's, it goes back to the kids menu thing. Like, it's what works for your family. If it's going to make the difference between you having a pleasant dinner and an unpleasant dinner, then use it. But I guess we're both on the same page that... You know, it's healthier to try not to default to and it. And appropriateness for a restaurant. Like, I wouldn't hesitate right. to maybe give my kids a screen at our, like, local burger joint. But if we're going yes. out to this special planned dinner that's a little bit more expensive, a little bit more high-end, and it's supposed to be yes. a really special experience, it's an, like, if you wouldn't pull your phone out there, then you shouldn't let your kids be on it. Yes, yeah. that's such a great point. And, you know, going back to this comparison, the chicken fingers and the iPad, because <laughs> I wanted to say this earlier, but it's true, this like, this thing about healthy, like not, not being judgmental, like having, letting everyone do what's right for them, but then also like, let's all be informed that like, we were talking, we were hating on the children's menu, like clearly we're not judging other people, but we're being pretty honest that like we're clearly not the hugest fans of like always having technology yeah. on and at the table. 
I think that comes from us having like dug into the research a little bit and having a sense from what we've read and how we understand what we've read that just like chicken fingers, you know, a constant stream of technology, like on a regular diet of that, it's not the healthiest right. thing. So just being mindful of like how moderation works yeah. for your family. And dining out is supposed to be getting us out of our routines. If you know, if you have a picky eater at home who's eating lots of mac and cheese and chicken fingers, like dining out is supposed to be this pleasurable experience that's different from our home. And so changing up what we do at a restaurant is super important. Did you have a story that you wanted to share about dining out? Yes, Yes, I did. Really quick. Okay. That I just wanted to say that how it shifts your kids from young to old. So, you know, it's like the iPad and how to sit, how to be polite. But now that Isaac is 11, I'm finding that one of the things that I'm really teaching him as he looks at menus, especially at more like diners and casual places, is how to order appropriately, which is something that I just kind of innately know at this point. So we were at a diner and he was looking at like lobster pasta or something I can't remember exactly and I was like um that's not really like what you order at a diner and he was like why it sounds good I was like well uh it's just not like a diner is where you get like eggs or a burger and pancakes and a burger (laughs) and I was like and he was like but why I was like um I don't know, like, I guess it depends on the diner, but I'm thinking, like, the quality, like, <laughs> probably, like, the seafood, you just want to get, like, in a seafood place, like, near a, near the sea, and we just had this very hilarious interaction that got me thinking about, like, what do you order where, and the appropriateness of that, and, like, how do you even learn that? Like, do you figure that out by making mistakes? I think so. Like- <laughs> I do think you've just got to let them. I actually had this a similar experience with my husband this summer. When we were in St. Louis, we were driving from Georgia to Idaho during our move. And I can't remember now what he ordered, but we were at a, like a breakfast diner. And he ordered something like a steak or seafood or something. And I was like, that's the wrong order. And he's like, no, it's going to be great. Exactly. And it was terrible. He's like, I'm never doing that again. And I was like, well. <laughs> You're like, I told you. <laughs> Don't want to say I told you. The so, wrong order. The wrong order. Important lessons while eating out with kids. Teach your kids how to order right. Right. As a parent, your fear is like, oh, Isaac's going to order this and he's going to hate it. And then what is he going to eat? Yeah, well. <laughs> eat it up. Yeah. I, I also it's- like hash corned beef hash was another one I was like you gotta know where the corned beef hash is gonna be real and when the corned beef hash is gonna be out of a can yeah and let me tell you the stuff out of a can it tastes good going in your mouth but I promise you it's because it's salt like that is yummy salty it looks like dog food and it's just not it's just not it's right. not gonna I feel just, good later just trust me or not <laughs> Or figure it out on your own, kid. So as the kids get older, these are the lessons. All right. All right. I've got a really good Try This at Home this week. Great. Tell us okay. about it. 
Because <laughs> before we wrap up every week, one of us shares a super quick practical takeaway that we want you to try at home. Because the truth is, we can talk and talk about kids and parenting and taking them out to eat. But you know what? You can't control or predict it nearly enough for our life. This, try this at home, is not related to at home. It's try this while you're out. Uh, maybe it's a little bit at home, but it's... You do. You do yeah, the prep at it's home, packing right? a dining out toolkit for your kids. What that might look like when you're when you have toddlers is a bib, a sippy cup or other kid appropriate cup, and a little package of Cheerios or dried yogurt bites, something that they can snack on while they're waiting. You can dose out one or two at a time, but it's not going to make a huge mess for your server to clean up later. And then for our kids who are in that three to six age, we have a little dining out toolkit that includes wet wipes. It still includes not sippy cups, but these I'll link to them now. I cannot think of the name of them. It's like a little silicone sleeve that can go over any glass with a straw. So it can make a regular diner glass into something that's more kid friendly. And then we always, always, always pack markers or crayons and a notepad so we can play tic-tac-toe. We can draw monster trucks for our three-year-old to color. We can play hangman as a family. I think that's it. That's in our toolkit. What would you pack in a toolkit for your nine to 11-year-old, Stacey? Well, you know, I don't really pack those anymore, although I sometimes think that I probably should. Um, simple pen and paper is really goes a long way because it's, they are all about games. A deck of cards in my bag is mm. always great because my boys love. That's a really good one. Cards. We have been playing even at home, honestly, lately. It's a deck of cards that just has like trivia questions and riddles. So fun. They love doing riddles and we just go around the table and ask each other questions yeah. like that. One of our writers at Cool Mom Eats, Jane, who has two younger kids, recently wrote a post about how she never leaves home without her, I think it's called a boogie board. It's one of those LCD writing and drawing tablets. Oh, cool. And we actually have one that Oliver loves playing with at home. We have a bigger one, so we wouldn't take it with us. But she has a small one that she takes with her on car trips, and she takes it with her to restaurants, and her girls love it. So smart. I think it's smart. And I used to always, always carry Silly Putty with Ooh. me. And Silly Putty, Oliver, who is like a sensory kid and needs to move, used to be so fantastic. He could push it on menus. You know how we can like transfer. Yes. It transfers and it just gave his hands something to do. Roll it. It becomes a ball. You can bounce it if you go outside. I mean, he just, he loves it. He still plays with Silly Putty all the time. That's actually a really good one that I'm going to steal. And you mentioned earlier in our conversation books. You pack books for Diana, oh, yeah. whatever they're so, reading. Yes. Oliver, I mean, Isaac rather, always has his Kindle on him. And I actually keep a Kindle reader on my, I have the Kindle app on my cell phone and I keep his books, some of his books on my Kindle Oh, that's a smart strategy. App, so that I always have books that they are reading on my phone in a pinch. I can hand over my phone, but it's a book. I love it. So smart. So there's always something to do. Always something always to do. Always something to read. We want to thank you so much for listening to Didn't I Just Feed You? 
Big thanks to our producer, Patty Catalano, and to you, too, for being among our very first listeners. And now that you've listened to us, we want to listen to you. What do you want us to cover? Do you have questions? Email us at hello at didn'tijustfeedyou.com. You can also visit there to find show notes and links to our Instagram and our Facebook group. But most importantly, if you've enjoyed listening to us, please tell your friends about Didn't I Just Feed You. Leave us a review on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. It makes a really big difference for the podcast itself. And make sure to subscribe so you can get future episodes. Big thanks to you, our listeners. Our intro music is Good Old Times by Alex Cohen, provided by Jamendo. This is Megan. This is Stacy. Stay sane and well-fed until next week. Bye. Bye. Bye.